And welcome to episode two of the Department of Metal Antiquities podcast. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. We're your hosts, Nick Cameron and... And Duncan Evans. There we go. What are we going to talk about today, Duncan? Okay, so this is um, a very special moment in metal history. Um, and it happened. And a lot of people, so I understand, didn't even believe that it happened until they saw the evidence on YouTube years later. And this is where the band Black Sabbath, who at the time um, had been using Ronnie James Dio as their singer, reunited. They actually um, did two shows in California with Rob Halford from Judas Priest on vocals as Black Sabbath. So there we go. At that time, it was the Dehumanizer tour and Ronnie James Dio said no, he would not play those shows. He felt there was no way in hell that he was gonna open up for Ozzy Osbourne as Black Sabbath. So he told the band, if you're gonna do it, I'm out. And yeah, and he used the phrase something like, there's no way I'm going on supporting a clown. So it was very disparaging to Ozzy. Um, yeah, and it all fell in on itself and they were stuck. And I believe that was very soon before the show. So they didn't have much time to sort out a contingency plan at all. It's amazing to me that they could even get Rob Halford to do that. Not just him to do it, but him to know these songs. As we get into this, we'll see... It's not like they did a set of Sabbath classics. It, yeah. they, it was pretty evenly distributed between Ozzy material and, and Dio material. The fact that he was even willing to come out, fly out to California, although I guess he lived in Arizona at the time, go out to, go out to California and just nail out a couple of shows, regardless of what you think of the quality of the songs or the quality of the performances, it's an amazing moment. We have Judas Priest and Black Sabbath sharing the stage together as Black, excuse me, as Black Sabbath. Totally. Uh, I mean, there's actually, there's one point in the set where Rob Halford just remarks in between songs, he says, we're making rock and roll history tonight. And yeah, you know, he's absolutely right. Um, and I'm really glad that we can experience this because um, it's something that I'd heard about. Um, people had talked about it, I'd read about it in magazines and things like that. Um, but I kind of thought it was lost, as maybe a lot of people do. Um, but via the magic of YouTube and via the magic of um, bootleg camcorder um, recorders back in the day, we can see it and we can hear it and we can witness it. Um, Let's take one moment to appreciate the gentleman who snuck in a camcorder that for people who aren't our age don't realize the thing was about as big as a briefcase. So totally. he snuck this in and he got a video. So big, big, you know, hats off to him for being able to get that done. Totally. Yeah. And getting away with that. Yeah. This is not like just recording on your phone. This is some serious business. Um, but there we go. I'm kind of I'm and glad the sound happened. quality is even pretty good on the video. It's, I mean, it's not pro shot quality, but it's just below. So it's, it's easy to hear it. It's, they're louder than the crowd noise. You get a good feel of how the show went. And you also, it, it was also pretty close. So we got a good, good view. I recommend everybody checking out these videos. Just Google Black Sabbath Costa Mesa 1992. And one of the 15 versions of it will come up. I do remember hearing about this as well. And I remember seeing on MTV News, two or three second clip 
of Rob Halford in his full Judas Priest gear out there headbanging with Black Sabbath. But going back to where you, what you had said, you know, he made the point, this is we're making rock and roll history tonight. Rob Halford had to have been a fan of Black Sabbath, if nothing else, extraordinarily respected them. And he knew what a moment that was. And unfortunately, that moment was lost. And that's the whole point of what we're doing here is to bring back these lost moments so everybody can get an idea. But unless you've got anything else to say on uh, the, the, the beginning, I think it's time we get right into it. Let's do that. Absolutely. As always, the show started off with E5150, the Jeff Nichols keyboard, a bit. And then as soon as that happened, Black Sabbath comes out and then Judas Priest, or not Judas Priest, then Rob Halford comes onto the stage with them. And that is, to me, just an extraordinarily powerful moment seeing mm -hmm. Rob Halford with basically no rehearsal time. He didn't always sound comfortable, but he always looked comfortable. And he definitely was Rob Halford on stage. Yeah. And I wonder, actually, something I don't know is whether the audience knew that night that they were about to see Rob Halford or whether they were expecting Dio. And it was only when he actually physically came out on stage that it was, that they knew it was Halford. Now I'm not sure whether, it, whether that had been, leaked, whether that had been publicized or what. Yeah. It would be, considering that was pre-internet time, it wouldn't shock me that if, you know, there was a small press release in a newspaper that nobody saw. Exactly. Yes, exactly. But they, they open up with the mob rules. what do you think about this one? Okay, so, I mean, the band are great. I think the band absolutely slam into it. The energy levels are high as they are through the whole thing. Um, they, the band sound like they're having a good time. Um, there's a bit where Iommi does his guitar solo and it's really good. He's absolutely on form. Um, Rob Halford, on the other hand, I don't know, it's mixed. And we've got to understand, this is not to, um, to diss Rob Halford, you know. He was working in difficult circumstances where he'd had possibly no rehearsal time, um, certainly not very much. He comes in, he does quite a cool screen, very um, Judas Priest, and you think, yes, this is going to be cool. Um, then, yeah, you know what? He does a pretty good job of it. I think he does a pretty good job of it. Um, it's slightly rough, I would say. I don't know if you agree. but I would um, say this one, yes, it is definitely rough. I didn't think it, what he was doing worked on this one. He was mm -hmm. trying to sing in a lower register, which that's not Rob Halford. And I think at this point he's trying to figure out, what am I doing here? How do I do this? Because not only is he performing in the, in the shoes of a legend of Ronnie James Dio, which I don't know, maybe he wasn't considered a legend back then, but he, you know, he, he's filling in for a legend. He's singing the songs of another legend who's backstage. How do you play that? Do you play that as I'm going to sing this my way and do it right? Or do I try and then couple that with the fact that the audience probably didn't know he was supposed to be there. Absolutely. So, there's so gonna how, be how do you play this? And I think in the first song, first couple of songs, you really see that he didn't know how to play it. Then goes into Children of the Grave, which this is the definite, and this is the second show, the one we watched, it's the second show that they had done together. Rob missed the, Rob missed his vocal cue. He comes in early. He comes no, he in. he came in late. He came in late. No, 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 no. I think he's early. We'll have to watch again, but I'm, I'm sure he's early because... One so I watched, the crowd started singing it before he did. 
Oh, now that's really maybe, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. looks at him and gives him a wave. Like, come on, get going. Right? That's weird. Maybe I literally watched a different one and he messes it up in the opposite way on the other night. I don't know. <laughs> but he, but yes, he. That would explain in, it because if he came in too early the first time, he's trying to compensate and overcompensate. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Totally. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the one I watched, Iommi kind of goes over and says, stop, like, and then he's like, now come in. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit embarrassing. Um, to be honest, this one feels a bit unrehearsed. Um, I guess it's all unrehearsed, but um, Halford's voice cracks, man. I don't know whether that's partly the, uh, you know, having been shaken up by missing the cue or what, but his voice is just not quite on it. Um but what I will say is the crowd love it. The crowd are going wild, certainly near where, where it was when I, uh, where the camera was for the show that I watched. Um, they're really into it, you know, they're singing along, they're clapping their hands, they're really enjoying it. Um, the band are pretty good, man. You know, the band are playing great. They're, they obviously are pretty rehearsed. Um, yeah, then there's this moment where Rob Halford starts doing what I would describe as the Aussie dance which is a bit interesting. You know, I kind of think, hmm, I'm not sure whether this is Halford being Halford or whether he's trying to be Aussie. Like, you can imagine him having watched all the videos when he was growing up and everything, and he's almost doing an impression physically as well. Exactly. And in, in this, you know, the, the voice cracking, yes. You know, he didn't, he couldn't nail that melody. I, I don't know that anybody could because Ozzy doesn't know how to sing. So <laughs> I don't know that anybody else knows how to get to that place like like he did when you think about when i think about ronnie james dio doing all these songs he wrote completely new vocal melodies on all of them new melodies new cadences everything halford goes out trying to recreate and he he, he is, still hasn't gotten comfortable on stage in this and that's and again no shade to rob halford what he did was amazing far better than probably 99.9% of the metal vocalists could have done. Yeah. And, but it's, it's just such an odd concert. If they had had rehearsal time, if it had been announced as such, I think it would have been much better. Yes. No, I, I agree. Yeah. So, so not brilliant, but still the bands are playing great on this. Um, and then we're on to Children of the Sea. Um, which found it is funny they did both of the children's songs right in a row. Yes, indeed, indeed. So on this one, I thought Halford was definitely trying to sound like Dio a bit, whether oh, yeah. that was conscious or whether he was just naturally going towards that sound from just singing along to the album, perhaps. But he kind of does a pretty good job. Like, it's not cracking. He can hit the notes. Um, as I've written here, pretty strong vocal. So, yeah. You know, not bad. The way I put it was he found his groove singing the Dio songs. Yes. And I yes. think probably a part of that is Dio is a much more practiced singer than Ozzy was. So it's easier, in my opinion, to learn the parts of somebody who's following the rules rather than the parts of somebody who doesn't know the rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we in... go... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I put here, the band is sounding great and heavy, and there's some cool screams, uh, Halford doing his Judas Priest-style screams. And I've also put, it sounds like um, they actually do a bit of improvisation, which is quite rare for Black Sabbath. I know it's something they did in the later days with um, the Heaven and Hell 
lineup under that name. But yeah. they didn't really do much with Ozzy because apparently Ozzy got confused when they started improvising and didn't know what to do. But it sounds like um, part of the solo is improvised and it just, yeah, it feels like the, the bands are really in the groove and just flowing, um, flowing off each other. So, yeah, you know, it's cool. I didn't say much about the band, you know, because to me, that band has played together on four tours. That band is tight. Those guys know, ex and we're not talking about, you know, Joe Rock and Roll drummer filling in for Bill Ward. We're not talking about some third generation doom metal guitarist. We're talking about Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and Vinnie Appice. These are their songs, their history, and they know it so well. So it's, there were no flubs, no musical flubs, and I don't think you'll ever see them from those guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you could easily just record it for a live album for those guys. You could easily just hit record and it'd be done. You could probably do 10 a, ten a tour. Yeah. Uh, now we go into Symptom of the Universe. Yeah. One, I'm not a fan of the latter days Black Sabbath, Ozzy era to begin with. This one was off the Sabotage album. As And this is interesting because... I shouldn't say anything. Anyway, Rob Halford, you know, says we're taking you back to the Sabotage album and he's getting into his role of front man and he's feeling comfortable. And I think in that moment, in his head, he was a member of Black Sabbath, which was really cool to see. Then they started, then he started singing. And the whole, the only yeah. thing I have written down in my notes, and I think we're probably going to be pretty unprofessional over the course of this and referring to our notes too much. But what did that cat ever do to you, Rob? What did that cat do to you? Leave him alone. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, but this is this is the low point vocally. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely horrific. Um, I've put here in capital letters, horrible vocals, yuck. And that's what it's like. It's just, it's a strange thing because I feel like um, maybe maybe it's a thing of him singing live, but even though he screams really high on those um, records, at this point, it's like he just can't hit the high notes. They just, or maybe he's trying to do a different tone with his voice that doesn't work. Whatever it is, he just cannot hit the notes, and it is god awful. Um, it's yeah. weird because his vocal range, I would say, is probably his, his standard vocal delivery is about an octave or so higher than Ozzy's. Ozzy is a, especially in terms of metal, Ozzy is a very high singer. I would have thought this would have been a great match. You know, doing the Ozzy tunes would be better than doing the Sabbath, doing the Dio Sabbath tunes. Mm -hmm. Nope, it didn't turn out that way. Did not. And I, I just think it goes back to Dio's a better singer, Ozzy's a better screamer. Yeah. Maybe so, yeah, it just doesn't work. And I, I just wondered whether they didn't really adapt the set list, whether perhaps they just said, look, here's what we're doing with Dio, just learn that, rather than saying, right, hang on, what works with your voice? They, they actually did adapt the set list a little okay. bit. Well, okay. I, I've got it written down. We'll go over it a little bit later. Yeah. It, it's weird. It, it's weird. I, I do want to definitely talk about that. Um, next song they go into is my personal favorite Black Sabbath song, NIB. Love that song. Geezer comes in. It, he live. They always play this one a little bit differently each time. Nice little bass solo to begin with, and I think everybody just nails this one. Rob is yeah. amazing on this track. He is. He finally found his Aussie voice. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's trying to be Aussie, but he kind of nails it. So that's fine. You know, he, he, oh, yeah. he does. It well, so that's all right. 
Um, great little solo bit, you know, the intro solo from Giza. That's really cool. Always great to hear with his wah-wah pedal and all that. Um, yeah, and I've put, again, it sounds like there's a bit of improv in the solo. Like, he doesn't play the solo exactly as on the record, which is cool because Iommi's actually known for playing the solos pretty much exact. So it's great to hear him do something a little bit different. And flow he with plays it. his solos exact and never writes solos. Mm, mm. So his, his method to play, to get recording the solos, he goes down, he hits record. Right. That's his preparation. He hits the record button. And then he can put it back together and play them live note for note. I do not understand how anybody can do that because his solos aren't as structured as certain other players. Yeah, sure. Chef Lou's influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Loved, loved NIB. And that was like the first time that it felt like everybody was on the right page and in doing it. And it, it, it yeah. got about other things. Yeah, and what I'll just mention, I don't know if you heard this on the recording that you were listening to, but at the end, there was quite a, I mean, not a huge number of the audience, but some of the audience, there was a group chanting, Ozzy, Ozzy. Yeah, I did hear that. One of those, which is always a bit strange. I mean, I guess they're at an Aussie show, so it's sort of fair enough, but at the same time, they're there watching Sabbath with a different singer, so that's a little bit of a snob, really. Uh, and you is kind this of the only time this has happened where a legendary group hasn't who hasn't been together in so long where they played a show together not like a festival but like a show like this i can't think of any other instance of this happening mm, mm. like yeah. really opening for kiss yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah i i can't think of any other instance of that either yeah totally totally so that's interesting. And um, also, um, I noticed that Halford says these are two of the best days of my life. So he, he's he's really loving it, and um, you know he's uh, he, he's really glad to be there. And, and he is just kind of like a little kid, um, you know, uh, getting to p- perform with his heroes in a way, you know. Um, so yes, that's that's notable. He's you can't tell me there wasn't a part of him. You know, going back to 1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1972-1971-1
stadiums and amphitheaters. And he's got the Brady Bunch's mom's signature and he's thrilled. Mm -hmm. To see Halford give that kind of admiration to Black Sabbath was was truly an inspiring moment. Totally. But now we go on to Die Young, which is another Dio era tune. Have you noticed that we've not gotten any Dio songs off of the tour they're on, Dehumanizer? There's nothing, is there? There's absolutely nothing. Not and it's one. almost all Heaven and Hell album. There's only the Mob Rules, I think, from, and from Mob Rules album. Everything else is either Heaven and Hell album or it's Aussie era. Right. And they're not... It's it's a good I think it's a good set list, don't but it's not it's not very vast. But I mean they definitely didn't play anything off seventh star. <laughs> no, probably a good thing there, but yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, I, I've put here that um with Die Young I've put it sounds like Halford's being Halford and that works better. I don't know if you agree with I, me on that. I thought he was still imitating. Okay, okay. He gets he gets there later. He just hasn't gotten there yet. Because he's no. still well, the way I heard it was he was still singing in a lower register. I mean, not bad at all. No complaining because it's, again, how if you're Rob Halford, you're going into this gig, you've got no rehearsal. You don't even probably have any real time to think. It's like, by the way, Rob, uh, it's, I, I picture this as like it's 10 a.m. on a Saturday. And they're like, hey, Rob, we need you to catch a plane. Because this is back in the 90s when you could just get a plane that day. Rob, we need you to get on a plane and get to Costa Mesa you're going on stage with us tonight at seven. That's just how I, I envision this happening. It's probably yeah. a little more than that, but not much. Totally, yeah, it may have been a few days or whatever, but yeah, it wasn't long. And it would not surprise me if they'd had zero rehearsal. I don't know, but you know, I, I, I could easily see them just sending Rob a set list and basically saying, listen to the records, sing along, learn the words. And he's probably gonna think, yeah, you know what? I know most of these songs anyway. Um, and it's not, it's, it's also should point out, we're talking about a very different time in the world right now. Cause Tony Omi, Geezer Butler, these guys play everything note for note from the record. You could just listen to the record and get it and nail it. You could pull it up on Spotify, pull it up on YouTube in 1992. You couldn't do either of those things. So if him picture him on the plane with a disc man, which at that time was only for the, the, the rich and famous. So he's got a stack of CDs trying to get this. Or maybe they said to him, what albums do you have? Yeah, yeah. What CDs do you have that you can listen to on the way? Yeah, I could easily, easily imagine that. Yeah. So it become, I, I talked to a bass player who, a couple of, month, a couple of years ago, who was touring with Felix Martin, uh, Felix Martin's normal bass player had his, his other band was touring, so he had to get somebody else. He was like, "Yeah, I learned this whole set three days ago in an airport." Hmm. And oh yeah, this with Rob. something like that does happen. Yeah, much more often than you might expect. Um, so, so yeah, I thought Die Young was pretty good. I didn't take too many other notes on this one, but um, I thought they did a pretty good rendition of it. Um, I, I did think Halford's voice was pretty good, um, and that's it really. Here they're in, I mean, they're in the pocket. There's not much to say. It sounded like Black Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing to mention is that all the way through, I think the band really do maintain their energy, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a spark there and there's a liveliness there that doesn't really dip at any point. So, you know, it's well, impressive. Those guys are pure 
true professionals. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's, they're just going to go up and they've been through how many different singers? <laughs> they're just oh, going to go yeah. up there and, and nail it. Then they go into Into the Void, which I think Into the Void is a song that's not as well known as it should be. Mm-hmm. Rob, Rob does not know the melody on this one at all. <laughs> but he has yeah. the cadence. Yeah, there's a high there's a high bit that again doesn't go so well vocally. Um and yeah, he's trying to sound like Ozzy and failing again. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing the Ozzy dance again in this one as well. The whole kind of like clapping hands, nodding head, mm-hmm. Ozzy sort of thing, which is a he, bit odd. He found the melody towards the end of the song. The band is what carried that, because that that riff is very much unlike most of their catalog. Mm-hmm. And he again he nailed the cadence if he hadn't tried to do the melody at all it would have been a lot better yeah exactly exactly so now, yeah but the band is still sounding heavy and powerful and tight so yeah. you know and they at are the end, who they are and they are amazing totally and at the end of this one there are some more aussie chants and wh- whether or not rob heard these i don't know but he says in his stage patter we love you aussie so he kind of thanks Ozzy there and then gets he a He also mentioned around this time, we've got something special for you later. He does, yes, you're absolutely right. And I didn't know what he meant by that. Now, maybe he means the Ozzy joining the band. That's what I believe it is. And we'll, we'll swing back to that at the end as well. Mm. Uh, then they, they move into what at this time is the Black Sabbath centerpiece song, which is Heaven and Hell. And this one starts off with basically Rob Halford singing it a cappella, just with, with Vinnie Apice. And yeah. he is big and full. And I keep, this is when I'm starting, this one and NIB. These, when they're singing these two songs, I start thinking these grandiose ideas like, why did they get Tony Martin for the next record? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's how good this some of this was. And I know it's great. Yeah. And and I've put that it sounds like Halford is being Halford a little bit more and that he's not imitating too much. So I would yeah. think at that point at the beginning, even though this is the second time he did it, adrenaline is probably taking over. And at this point in time, he has gotten off the adrenaline and he's gotten comfortable. Jason Bonham said that when he did the show with Led Zeppelin, the Celebration Day show, he didn't feel comfortable until Cashmere. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't remember anything from the show until Cashmere Forward, which Cashmere was the second to last song, the third to last song he played. Wow. <laughs> and that's probably something like this, because whereas, you know, Jason Bonham and John Bonham and all that, Halford has to owe his entire career to Black Sabbath because they they paved the way. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, so I've, I I really liked that um, track. There's some slightly weird warbles from Halford later on. Again, he's I don't know what he's trying to do. Really, he does a he, he tries to go too high. It's just not working for him. Whatever it is he's trying to do, but but for the most part, it's a great track. And then it's that is it for the main um, part of the set. But of course, there is an encore, so they go off. Uh, they go off for a bit, and then they come back on with "Sweet Leaf," 
um, which I've put nice, heavy, sludgy riff like they, they put doing. it. Right. They, they didn't do it the same way as the album. They yeah, tried. they're like leaning into the sludginess of it and they've just slowed it down that little bit. And Completely. And it, it works. That's, I kind of think there's some riffs that, that work faster live. Like, for example, Paranoid will be a song that you'd play slightly faster live. And there's other songs and riffs which, which work slightly slower um, live. And Sweet Leaf would definitely be in that category for me. As a failed guitar player, I've always felt that it's harder to play slow than it is to play fast. Because if you, especially if you look at old Metallica riffs, a good 60 to 70% of their riffs are the open E string eight times in a row. Yeah, yes, that is true. So when you're, when you're playing at a million miles an hour, that sounds a lot cooler. If you're playing that slow, just you, it's just a drum beat. And Sabbath sometimes is fast, more more often than not they're slow and this one they slow down and it just you can smell the pot smoke it's so slow and mm. well he says that as well he says something like this one's for the smokers or whatever yeah. they lean into that whole and thing. they um, they may have invented stoner metal at that moment in time oh totally oh for sure i don't think there's any doubt there really um Is it, no i mean when they did this version of it Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, certainly it's very much in that vein, isn't it? Absolutely. Way more than the studio version. I can, I can definitely hear High on Fire and uh, Clutch and all those guys just getting that, just, it, I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And that's one, that's my favorite performance of the show, even though it's one of my least favorite songs on the set list. Well, I like it, but I don't think the vocals are great. Uh, to be honest, I think the vocals uh, is kind of cracking a bit again. He went and too he, high. Yeah, it's just, yeah, to be honest, there's some really dodgy vocal bits. Some of it's okay, but he just doesn't seem to be able to get the melody. Um, that bit where it kind of goes down. Da -da 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 -da. Um, so... Yeah, so that, unfortunately it's marred by that. It's a great band performance, really, really cool rendition of the riff. This, is, for me. this is a great instance of we're watching this nearly 30 years later and being able to rewind and go back. I would imagine that if we were there, we wouldn't have noticed those cracks. Oh, for sure. I think that's always the way. I think when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're in that space where you're hearing the music so much louder, where you you know you're around all the sweaty bodies and everything else, yeah, I think you are more forgiving. And I think a lot of, especially vocals, because vocals are so hard live a lot of the time. Because when you're playing with a metal band, to actually, you've, you've got to think the human voice is quite quiet relative to like these huge speakers, oh, and yeah. drums. So to actually amplify it to that level without having all sorts of feedback and whatever is really tough. And, and to be able to hear yourself is often hard. So, um, yeah, singers end up messing up because they just can't really hear themselves above the cacophony of guitar. Especially somebody like Rob Halford, who shoves his voice out. And so you're yeah. going to have problems with cracking here and there. So it, I, I know I've made it sound like oh, this is not that great, this is not that good. I have really enjoyed going back and watching this show, not just for the history, 
but just because there are times when even watching it through a crappy camcorder video that it just sounds awesome and it's happened three times and we need four that's beside the point then then they go into neon nights and if you if you go back and probably look at all of our notes from song to song failure success failure success failure success He, he vacillates between those two things he doesn't have a real strong I, mean, I think there's like one spot where he gets two in a row, but Neon Nights, Rob Halford just takes that song, which makes no sense, and I've never quite understood that one, and just really owns it, and just he's, this is the first time, to me, he was Rob Halford singing Black Sabbath songs. Yeah, I've put the same sort of thing, and I think I've put some good growls. Yeah, he starts to do his growly voice, which I think he did more of later in his career. Um, yeah, great. Energy levels are still there. Halford's doing well. He's hitting the notes, but he's doing it as him. He's growling in his own way. Really cool. Um, like it. Yeah. And that's it. Strange one to finish on, I thought. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that song was bigger back then than it feels like. I don't it. remember that song ever really being anything. Exactly. So I, I, it's strange to me that they didn't... If you were going to do those three as an encore, you'd probably put Sweet Leaf. Or those two, sorry, as an encore. You'd probably do them the other way around and put Sweet Leaf last or... I don't know, but I don't get it. But if you look at the set list, it's it's an interesting set list. It's it's obviously slightly shorter because they were doing they did the four songs with Ozzy. They did Iron Man, Paranoid, Black Sabbath, and Fairies Wear Boots with Ozzy. And mm. three of those four are, are Black Sabbath staples. Those were played at every show ever since they were written. Fairies sure. Wear Boots, I don't know, but they go with Mob Rules, Children of the Grave, Children of the Sea. Symptom of the Universe, NIB, Die Young, Into the Void, Heaven and Hell, Sweet Leaf, Neon Nights. That's a good set list. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there from Dehumanizer, which is what they're touring behind. Yeah. Their standard set list of that tour, and I checked from a month previous, not even that far. The Mob Rules, Computer God, Dehumanizer, Children of the Sea, Time Machine, also from Dehumanizer, War Pigs, I also from Dehumanizer, Die Young, Black Sabbath, After All, also from Dehumanizer, Iron Man, Heaven and Hell, Neon Knights, and Paranoid. So of the three songs they played with Ozzy, there were three of those were already in their set list. Mm-hmm. Iron Man and Black Sabbath. So they pulled those out. They did some other changes. They took out all of the Dehumanizer songs, which they played a fair few for that tour, which I, is, I think is commendable. And they added some other, like, symptom. they added Symptom of the Universe. They added NIB. They added Into the Void. And they added Sweet Leaf. Mm. So, so I guess we got to think about why, um, why did they cut out those dehumanizer tracks? Now, I suppose one theory is that if they were asking Rob Halford to jump in at the last minute, maybe he wouldn't have known that album. And maybe the classic stuff, largely Heaven and Hell and Aussie Era, Maybe he would know those songs and therefore wouldn't need the rehearsal. Whereas perhaps Dehumanizer being the new album, maybe Halford just wouldn't be as familiar with that and he would have needed more rehearsal to be able to get those songs. I don't know. You know, maybe there was a question. Here's our, you know, Tony's talking to him. Can you do this one? Yes. This one? Yes. This one? No. Yeah. And all the no's were Dehumanizers. At this time, Dehumanizer wasn't even old. No. No. I think the Humanizer came out, I want to say, in the fall of 92. 
And no, that can't be right. Maybe 91. It came out the same year as Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power. I know that. I'm checking that now. Yeah, so it could be that. Or I suppose the other theory is that maybe they just thought, you know what? This is going to be a special rock and roll moment. Let's kind of forget about trying to promote the new album and trying to pretend that how... June 30th. Right, okay, there you go. So it may have just been that they thought, you know what, actually, let's just do a set of kind of classics um, because this is now a special moment. It's something different. If we just go and plow ahead with Dehumanizer, it's a bit like, hang on, this isn't the proper Dehumanizer lineup. This isn't right. Halford's standing in for someone. Whereas if we just do a classic set, it's like these songs are so classic that... um, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like someone's standing in anymore because they're almost everybody's song. They're almost part of the, the heavy metal uh, canon of standards, you know. So, I don't know, man. I'm just theorizing. With that one, I, I think more like it, I think it's more likely that it just that he just didn't have those and couldn't learn them. That's I can't imagine why they wouldn't. Uh, from what I know of Tony Iommi, he doesn't seem like that thoughtful of a guy. Maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. It's, but yeah. It's, I just realized, and this cracked me up, Ronnie James Dio quit the band four months after the album was released. Wow. And I didn't get that album until two months after he had quit the band. He was already out of the band by the time I got the album, the year it came out. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy, man. It's a really um, a big deal that he decided to leave. So he obviously was really, really upset about the whole Aussie thing and just couldn't, his ego couldn't take it, which is a shame. But then again, if, it had, if, if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have this moment and we wouldn't be having this conversation now. The so. thing about this moment, though, and it was thro- completely thrown together, and it's, it, it's, at times it sounds like that. At times it sounds like a bar band. At times it sounds like... Actually, no, not a bar band. I take that back because the, the band is amazing. At times it sounds like bad drunken karaoke. Exactly that. Yes, that's that's that is correct. Yes. And at the time, and there are times where it sounds like an amazing coming together of two giants of metal. Yep. It's it. I believe with one week's rehearsal, which you can't tell me they had a week. I will not believe you. If they no. had a week's rehearsal, you would. I think it would have been an amazing moment. Just, I mean, think yeah. about Led Zeppelin with Jason Bonham rehearsed for six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, in order to play one set. So, and those are the guys that knew the songs. Exactly, exactly. And they had all been playing them. This, so it's, I, it's admirable and commendable that he stepped in and did such a great job and did it with grace and humility and with a real reverence for the songs and for the guys in the band, including Ozzy from the original lineup. Um, yeah, it's imperfect, man. It's a rough diamond, but... Um, but at the same it's, time, it's what it is. It's unique. It's um, idiosyncratic. And it's cool. And even the weird moments are kind of cool to watch. Um, it you is know, definitely it's, very, it's cool. very cool. I yeah. would love to have some sort of release of this. I would buy it. What more I want, though, is could you imagine what the next Black Sabbath album could have been like with Rob Halford? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. 
Could have been cool. Could have been cool. I don't think Geezer was on the next one. Don't quote me on that, but I believe he would gone back. Because Geezer had been going back and forth between Sabbath and Ozzy around that's this time. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and they kind of went back into relative obscurity with uh, getting Tony Martin in. Relative obscurity? Pretty major obscurity. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a shame. It's I, I really... don't know that there's a word because I love Black Sabbath. They're one of my absolute favorite bands. They've been one of my favorite bands since I was 10 years old. And I can't name the albums that they had done between Dehumanizer. I can't name them even now, but Dehumanizer, between Dehumanizer and Reunion. Yeah, yeah. You can't no, find them. They're not, um, it's, I don't even know if they toured. Yeah, I don't know. They probably did, but I don't know. They must have been doing pretty small theater shows and stuff. Um, yeah, so there we go. There we go. Um, it's how it is, you know? I can see why people use the, the name of the big band that they've been a part of for their new project, even though it's not really got any of the members. I can see why they do it, but it's not always great when that happens. But... Um, but anyway, this, there we go. A, a forgotten metal moment now remembered and enjoyable, you know? It is enjoyable. It's something, you know, maybe I wouldn't buy it. Maybe I take that back. Maybe I wouldn't. But I would rent it. If there was a home release of that, like a video, I would yeah. definitely like to watch this in high quality through my stereo on my television to just really get a feeling of that and just try to immerse yourself. But one of the things I heard from some guy at a record store who may or may not know anything that is that uh, Sharon has kind of put the kibosh on re-releasing anything from Black Sabbath. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. There we go. Although Black Sabbath does have a Paranoid reissue coming out, which oh, okay. I was interested in. I, I, I'm still considering it. It probably won't sell out. It's Rhino. They're going to make 10,000 copies. But it would. I, I want... I want their forgotten albums to come back out. And if I could get a hold of it, I would like to to give, you know, not Headless Cross. Oh, God. I can't even remember the names of the damn things. There's Born one. Again. Not Born Again. No, no, no. Uh, the, the Tony Martin albums after this. Okay, yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's like one called Revenge or something. It's, yeah, it's right. got cover art that looks like it was drawn in a junior high stoner oh is that the one with like the devil mouse on it or something yeah. it's like a skeleton devil mouse i can't think what it's called but yeah yeah that was like that seemed to be a low point yeah it's really bad i, I don't doubt it and i i want it but the, the if you buy it on vinyl it's like 400 dollars. wow okay and i'm not i'm not spending 400 bucks on a third but no uh i got i got nothing else to say on this it was fun it was great to go back and look at that uh i'm glad we decided not to talk about how they were dressed i think that was the smart play <laughs> not fair but it, it was a cool moment and i'm glad we got to share that again and got to relive it absolutely indeed me too yeah and until next time we will find something else that we can dig up and go through it <laughs> yeah see you next time thank you All right, thank you <laughs>